Hi, my name is Margaret, and you have ventured your way into the Beautiful Collision podcast. I believe when the bad, messy, hard parts of your life collide with the good, amazing, great parts of your life, they make you into the beautiful person that you are. On this podcast, you are going to hear from people from all walks of life, and my hope is that you resonate with some and embrace your own story. Hello. All right, everybody. <laughs> um, welcome back to the Beautiful Collision Podcast. I hope you can hear us. So I'm going to move this a little bit. Um, welcome back to the Beautiful Collision Podcast. So it's been a long time since I have posted an episode, but I'm really excited today for today's guest. Um, I have Jasmine Gershaw. So I that's awesome, right? Yes. Yeah. Jasmine Gershnoff here with us today. Say hey, Jasmine. Hey. Hey. <laughs> She's awesome. Um, and I'm super excited to interview Jasmine today. We're going to talk about probably a lot of different things um, because we're both chatty and we both <laughs> have a lot of opinions on things. Um, but we're also going to hear a lot of her story. And so I am super glad that you're here. So why don't you introduce yourself to people listening and maybe say like a fun fact, a random fact. Fact, where you're from, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, my name is Jasmine Gershaw, as she said. I'm 25. I'm a Gemini, turned 26 <laughs> next month. But Woo! technically, I'm going to be 25 for the next 10 years. So okay. don't forget. Anyway. But <laughs> is that a Gemini thing or is that a you thing? That's a me thing. Okay. I don't do Because I think I'll be able to look 25 for a while. People still think I'm 12. That's true. You know? That's so, true. You, you do. You look young. Yeah. So once sure. I'm 35, I'll come 30. And yes. by the time I die, no one will actually know my age because I've lied about it for so long. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was born in Texas in Dallas Fort Worth area okay. and moved to Colorado when I was six okay. and lived there. I it's a gorgeous place. I was hated though because it's cold. Okay, um, I understand that. Yeah, I like every year I would complain. Mm-hmm. Why would you move us here to this godforsaken place that just dries out my skin and hair? I agree. And my soul essentially. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So when I finally got a, the choice to move where I wanted to, I came back to Texas and deep, like defrosted from yeah about twenty two years of being cold. So well, okay, what brought so you what brought you back to Texas? Um, well, I was transitioning out of the army from active okay. duty, okay. and I honestly knew like literally. I knew I wanted to be somewhere warm. Okay. So I looked in all the southern states. Okay. And then I was looking at schools I wanted to go to. Okay. And where I. I was getting paid by the military to go to school and get okay. my degree. Yeah. So I was just seeing where I could get the most bang for my buck through the school and yeah. the housing options. And Texas had really great housing options for the price that they're offered. Yeah. So came to Texas. There you go. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit more about that in, this, in just a second. But you do have a really cool random fact about yes. you. Um, well, I think it's funny because I've been on the, the end, the receiving end of this random fact. <laughs> so what is the random fact? My random fact is I love conspiracy theories. Okay. And mostly coming up with them on my own. <laughs> okay. See things and you kind of put them together and like, I mean, I'll, I'll take other people's theories uh-huh. and it's like, well, there's some holes in that and then come up with my own conspiracy theories. Okay. I'm going to ask you this. Yes. You're not ready for this, but what is the, your favorite conspiracy theory that you have come up with? Mm. You know, I've honestly been having a lot of fun with this whole coronavirus stuff at this point. She has a lot of theories about this. Like, I've, I've listened to them. And so, I'm yes, give us give us one theory that you've come up with or that you've, like, put together in your head. 
I think my main conspiracy theory at this point is that the coronavirus was created by, <laughs> by ultimately, I believe in a new world order kind of aspect, you know? Okay. But one thing that you see benefiting a lot from this whole aspect is the planet is just like cleaner and animals are like uh-huh. repopulating in like uh-huh. areas that have mm-hmm. once been destroyed by us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what if like PETA or something? <laughs> PETA like from... PETA like came together with scientists and uh-huh. said... We need something to just keep people inside for so long. But I think there's a, that might not be, that's not probably what happened. But that's a fun one for me to think about. <laughs> so interesting. I think that the last time we talked about this, I asked, because there was like these conspiracy theory documentaries on like Netflix. Yeah. Or, have you watched a lot of this? Um, yes and no. I mean, there's there's one conspiracy theory that I found when I was like, like when I was in high school that uh, Denver International Airport. Uh-huh is actually like a secret has a secret underground bunker for the end times and like there's a bunch of like celebrities and really like famous people in the world that have properties in that area so Uh they can actually like gain access to those Mm -hmm. if something were to happen and i was like oh and there's supposed to be murals all over that are Mm -hmm. to show like end of the world apocalyptic Mm -hmm. type stuff and i've like looked for them before but i never found them but Y'all, if you want to hear more about this, I'm sure Jasmine would love to just like entertain you guys on all the different conspiracy theories that she thinks are. But they're fun. I mean, I've like I've watched some of the like documentary stuff about them, and they're mm-hmm. just like interesting to like be entertained by. And you have nothing to do during quarantine. Yeah, definitely. Then it's it's interesting. Well, speaking of quarantine, since we've been in the kind of the coronavirus, how have you been dealing with it? You're an extrovert. Yes, we're both extroverts. So. From one extrovert to another, how have you been dealing with it? I feel like some days are better than others. Okay. And most of the time, I just feel like I can't be contained. (laughs) Don't contain me. No, no, I get that. So I'll go like a good four or five days of not doing anything or going anywhere. And I'm like, I have to leave. Please let me just go talk to somebody. Yeah. So I have like three houses I've just stayed contained to. Okay. Like I'll go to the stockade or I'll go see Cassie. Mm -hmm. And I went and saw Sarah Earl. But like that's like the only places I go. Yeah. And I was like. Oh my god! Or I'll just like go walk around the park. So yeah. I just try to find ways to stay active mm-hmm. and um, and just repurposing, like even social media. We yeah. I was like, I hated how much I was on social media, but like through work, we we're trying to increase our social media mm-hmm. uh, platform. And so I was like, okay, well let's post memes because people like memes. So now I'm going through. I'm like, oh, I like this meme, and I can yeah. like, repurpose my browsing through Instagram and put it towards something else. So that's like made me feel a little bit more productive and better. Yeah. Because I think that's the biggest thing is like staying productive, but not overwhelming myself. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. I've just, I think as extroverts, you go in ways like at the beginning, we're like, this is good. This is going to be okay. Like we're going to be fine. Like, you know, extroverts, like we, we run on this like fuel. So it's, it was good for me to be like, okay, now I'm going to get to rest. But yeah, then I think it gets to a certain extent and you're just like, this, this is a lot. I think after the second weekend, they said, oh, we're going for another till the Month. beginning of yeah. the day. I was like, oh no, wait. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Pop the brakes, send me back. <laughs> I can't do this for another month. Yeah. For that two weeks, the first two weeks was great. I was like, I'm relaxing. Yeah. Like I had some emotional roller coaster moments, but yeah. When when they really hit the we're extending it, that's when it hit like reality. And yeah. I was like, man, I gotta figure something out then because this isn't gonna cut it. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I totally get that. Yeah. There's so I think there's been so many emotions with it and just so many of like 
like how to like keep connection, but mm-hmm. like do what you're supposed to do. But especially when you get like life and like joy out of connection. And so, yeah, I think it's really been interesting for pretty much all of us extroverts. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask you, so you talked a little bit about work. So tell everyone what you do for work. Okay. Cause you were talking about um, memes or whatever. So what do you yeah. do for work? Some people don't know. Um, so I'm a campus minister. Okay. Well, I'm an intern right now working on becoming a full-time campus mm-hmm. minister for every nation campus. Mm-hmm. And so we just go on to the college campuses and bring the gospel and help people grow in their relationship with God um, and understanding what that looks like, mm-hmm. what that means, and even repairing relation, like repairing people mm-hmm. views of church and God, because a lot of people growing up no, learning the wrong narrative, yeah. essentially. You yeah. Know? And so just walking people through that and helping them understand and just become better versions of themselves through yeah. their relationship with God. So yeah, so my, what made you want to be, okay, so this might be a lot of backstory, but like what made you want to go into this profession that you're in mm-hmm. right now? Um, is this something you knew you wanted to do growing <laughs> up? Like what, what, what got you into that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first off, this is not what I picture myself yeah. doing as a child. Like for a long time, I wanted to be a vet and I learned that as a vet, you have to put dogs down. And I was like, nope, <laughs> I can't do that. Yes. And they're like, no, my vet even told me, like, it's, it's to show mercy and help them. I'm like, no, yeah. I can't do that. That's Don't fair. Me. That's fair. Um, but honestly, it became a thing within, like, in 2018. Okay. God really just encountered me and was just like, I want you to do campus ministry. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But I was on a track to do journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a lot of opportunities within that, and I really enjoyed it for the most part. There's some aspects where I'm like, I would have to sacrifice a lot for this yeah. to do well in it. But I was for it at the time, but I was just getting pulled in both directions to do ministry and mm-hmm. the do journalism. And eventually, like, like got with the call to ministry in March of 2018 and then October of 2018 we're doing a retreat for the that we do every year and as I was just sitting there like counseling not counseling but just like comforting girls that had just been through a lot Mm -hmm. like God just in that moment was like this is what I want you to do Mm -hmm. and I was like this is what I want to do yeah and that's when I started breaking my ties with all the journalism stuff I was doing and that was hard. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just like this easy thing because I did enjoy it. And there's aspects of myself that like there's a lot of like pride and kind of like I felt like I had some power, you know, like, yeah. and some sway um, through my journalism experience already mm-hmm. as just a college student. So I was like, just imagine where it's going to go. Yeah. Absolutely. So putting away those dreams and those and those desires for something even greater and through the ministry. And so, I mean, I wasn't raised Christian. Yeah. So that was a whole nother thing. Yeah. Like to have to tell my parents to. Yeah. Who aren't Christian. Yeah. I was like coming out the closet almost. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so I'm going to be doing ministry full time. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? And yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm just. <laughs> and I didn't know how to explain it fully, you know. So it was a process. I had explained it to a couple times. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like really break it down. Like this is what it looks like. This is the process. Yeah, and they were really sketched out, but they've come to better terms with it now. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's definitely where my heart's at, and it's it has its challenges, but it's one of those things where you enjoy those challenges as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. So you talked about 
I mean, there's so much in there, but you talked about <laughs> that you, um, so that you weren't raised Christian. Mm-hmm. So going into a job that is basically out of your faith can be very, obviously, not daunting, but just very, like, weird for people, especially for your family, because yeah. this is not how you're raised. Um, and so, you know, I think that's kind of the end result. But can you talk a little bit about, so you're not raised Christian, but you're doing now a Christian, like a, you're, in, yeah. you're in a ministry, leading a ministry, whatever you want to call it. Um, how did you even start to get to believe in what you believe now? Because yeah. um, that's kind of a, you know, obviously an interesting dichotomy yeah. type thing. Um, I mean, it was a long process, honestly. Yeah. I was raised in a very, I mean, my parents and I can disagree with this, right? But I view it as a very liberal, anti-religious household. Yeah. You know, very, li- like, my dad's Jewish, is ethnically Jewish. Yeah. So we celebrated Hanukkah and Passover and all yeah. those things. And then my mom just really didn't like Christianity in general. Yeah. At least that's how it felt for me. Yeah. By just the way she would talk about it sometimes or, and so, but her family was Christian. Yeah. So we would still celebrate Christmas and Easter. Yeah. So, but I actually grew up in a Unitarian church. When we moved to Colorado when I was six, we moved to a Unitarian church, which yeah. they just believe in all religions coming together. Yeah. And, living mm-hmm. within I I'm not completely sure. Yeah. But I was sit, I was spending Sunday school learning about Judaism, Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, yeah. like all the religions. Mm-hmm. There was no limitations to it because they're open to all those. Yeah. Right. And learning about it. But I was very strong in the fact as an eight year old even just like I believe in evolution and big bang theory science science explains everything which it doesn't yeah but <laughs> exactly but as an eight-year-old and those were the views that i was being swayed towards or somehow exposed to i had my aunt who i would see out every summer down here in texas i would come back in the mm-hmm. summer and we would spend hours at night just talking like well what about this jasmine what about jesus i'm like i don't know about some jesus i don't know yeah. about some god i don't see it i don't see a god yeah but as i started getting older I just recognized that there's something missing. Mm-hmm. And whenever I saw that there was what I was wanting was found in my friends that were Christian. Yeah. You know, that there's a peace and a love that was different. Mm-hmm. So like once I got to high school, my best friend, she and her parents were really devout Christians and really, really relational with God. Yeah. And so I would spend hours at their house all the time and yeah they never forced it down my throat or anything but it was I could just it was evident in their lives yeah. you know and so and I'm still friends with them to this yeah. day and I still awesome. talk to her mom about ministry even because her mom was is a, is a missionary and everything so that relationship maintained but for me it all really picked up once I joined the army Okay. You know, so when I joined the army, it was under the terms of I was in a really bad relationship with my parents. I got like kicked out, got moved out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we just got in a big fight. I moved out and I was in the middle of Colorado and there's no public transportation there and yeah. I had no way around. And so I joined the army and um before before I joined the army, I spent a couple months with my brother and his family. Mm-hmm. And his wife wife is really Christian and everything. So she'd take me to Bible studies. Yeah. And we read the book of John. I was yeah. like, this is like 
message of love. Yeah. Which wasn't what was shown to me fully. Yeah. Or I never read it for myself. Yeah. You know, I always had conflicting views what my mom and other people would say about Christianity and then like what my Christian friends would say. And there's yeah. some things I didn't really agree with or understand fully. So I was like, eh. Um, but when I read the book of John for myself and we were doing the Bible study, I was like, I like this. Yeah. I want this, whatever it is, yeah. you know. And so I uh, got baptized and then I went off to the army. What? But And I'm going to pause and start. Yeah. Or did the army just come up randomly or like? Was it just like I? You said like you. I was having issue with my parents, and so I'm going to join the army. Like, yeah. What is the thought process behind that? Well, just a little bit. I just, I just knew. Like, so my when I moved in with my brother, I so his wife and him. Yeah. Um, moved me out to Arizona. Yeah. And my brother told me you have six months to get a job <laughs> and get out. He wasn't playing. He no, was like, I respect that. You know, yeah. there's boundaries, and I'm that type of person. Person that you do need to push. Like, yeah. If you give me a year, I'm going to take that year. (laughs) So he said, you have six months. That is pressure because you have to find the job, save the money, find the place. So I'm doing all this. And they live in the middle of nowhere, Arizona. And it just felt, there was this point where I was like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, I don't want to work my butt off to go to school. And I don't, and I hated school. I, I, hated school at that time like I couldn't stand college the idea of going to classes and paying for that just like oh yeah kill me now yeah but I didn't want to be a bum either yeah (laughs) I was in this place and I mean I've always kind of liked military I was like in the in high school ROTC was cool to me but I was a marching band so yeah those schedules conflicted and everything so I was just there was just that aspect and I was like well I can figure out what I want to do in the meantime and I can still make my own money and I can yeah. go do all these things. And so army, went. army. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got sold. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and so, and it was a good and bad thing, you know, like ultimately a good thing. Um, but once I entered the army, I entered an environment that wasn't very open to God, yeah. I guess, you know, God wasn't like the, like here, how's it how to have a relationship with God? You just have a lot of really broken people yeah. operating in that environment. So I kind of I was on this path for God, and then I just went all the way around, yeah, in a way, <laughs> like yeah. all the way away. And um, I just got to a point though. I remember I would go to Bible studies and and what in the army in the army, yeah. yeah. I would try going to church, and I just I was always really hesitant about church just yeah. because of like what I've seen in and what you experienced, and, experienced. Yeah. and I was always just like, eh, I don't know about church, but I would go to Bible studies because I remember reading the word and yeah. it gave me life in some way, yeah. you know? And so I wanted to go and just sit with people, but I just never felt like anyone truly really understood me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like still there's this like gap because one is a lot of men. Yeah. And so I was like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Not, yeah. yeah. I'd be like, and they're just men that are supposed to be there but aren't really living to honor God. So yeah. there was a lot of, like, alternative motives behind. Yeah. Let me help you understand the Bible more. Yeah. Are you really? They yeah. But <laughs> um, so I finally got in a Bible study when I was in Kansas. And there was a lot of older women. But I just feel, still felt un- misunderstood in the fact, like, I mean, I've been wiling out at that point. You yeah. know what I mean? Like. I wasn't, I was a little bit more promiscuous and there was just this level of shame that came with it because I was like, 
well, y'all are married and honoring God. And I just felt like, I don't know. So I really. So do you feel like you were kind of that. Uh, at that point? So we're at this point in your story where you're feeling like, I like, I want this, but I don't know because I feel like I can't, I don't know, measure up yeah. to these like people that are the Christian people or whatever. You yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I've, you know, like you said, I've done this thing. I've, you know, whatever you want to call it. And I just don't know if that's going to work. Yeah. Okay. And, and there's like the constant talk, like, well, you shouldn't do this. And I was like, okay, I get, I shouldn't do that. But there was, it was just behavioral change. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. I was always having this behavioral change of, I know I shouldn't do it, but I was never addressing the issue on why I did the things I did, Mm -hmm. you know? So, but I remember there was a point on my second deployment I was looking for this picture, like, like a group picture of me and my friends. Mm-hmm. I was going through all my pictures, and every last one, like we're, we're about to get drunk, we're drunk, or coming back from the clubs. And yeah. I was like, y'all, we drink a lot. Like, <laughs> we need to not do this when we get back. And so, but I just, when I, by the time I got back from that deployment, was also my time that my contract with the Army active duty was done. Yeah. And that's when I was transitioning out into the civilian side. Yeah. World. Mm-hmm be a normal person and um I just knew at that point what I I was reading my bible but I still was missing something and I figured at that point it's church or community Mm -hmm. you know so it's 2016 now and I'm with I'm in Texas yeah in call station okay and that just was a time were you like going to school in college? Yeah, I was gonna go to Blinn. Okay. Well, I wanted to go to AM yeah. and do physical therapy. Yeah. And um, but I didn't have enough credits to just transfer right in. Yeah. And so they said you can come in as a freshman or go to Blinn, get a yeah. few more credits, and then transfer in. Yeah. At to do physical therapy mm-hmm. route. And I was like, okay, I'll just go to Blinn. Yeah. So I spent a year at Blinn Community College and it was just a really rough year. Yeah. You know, I'm usually, like you said, I'm extroverted. So usually it's really easy for me to make friends yeah. and connections, especially in the army. You know, yeah. you just, you come together and y'all are friends after, best friends after three days. Yeah. You're going through some serious BS together. And yeah. Like, We're friends for life. Yeah. <laughs> I know. What's that saying? Like when you go, I don't know if it's a saying, but like going through hard things together makes you closer. Oh, yeah. Or something like Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like there's people I... Like, to this day, we don't talk, but I know if I saw them again, we could just catch yeah. up. And it's, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's comfortable, you and know? So, and then Blinn wasn't like that. Blinn, it wasn't. Like, it was just really hard for me to find friendships that were meaningful. And I was going to churches, and just nothing ever really sit, like, sat. Like, me, I found one friend we met at a church, yeah. and we both were, like, we're not, like, the biggest fan of this church, but of all the options we've looked at, we like this one the most. Yeah. And so we would go to church together. We would hang out, but she was like a little bit older and married, you know, same like situation that I had been in the army, just older married women. I'm like, but you're married. Like you don't understand my struggle as a single person. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that's not anything against her. Like we're still good friends to this day, you know? Um, But I was actually dating this guy at the time that was here in Houston. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was coming out here because I hated college station. Yeah, yeah. So I was coming out here every weekend. I was yeah. like hanging out in Houston. And I was like, I kind of want to move to Houston. Not yeah. for him. I just wanted to get away from college yeah. station. I didn't like it. It wasn't a fit. So I looked at Texas Southern, U of H, and Prairie View. Mm-hmm. Did not like the size of, of uh, U of H. And 
Prairie View, just in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it was still kind of far yeah, from the like, city. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. I, I googled like coffee shops because I was tired before I went on my tour, and there's no coffee shops in that town. It took me to the town. I was like, oh, nah, bye. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even go to the tour. I was like, yeah. I'm not going. There. I get that. I get that. <laughs> so I, I, uh, and it was kind of like Goldilocks, you know, like this is too big, this is too far, and TSU was really just right. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a smaller community, and I was, and it was just, it felt right. So. I applied, got accepted, transferred over to Texas Southern, and I moved here July 29th of 2017. Okay, yeah. And the next day was church, and I was, well, the next day was Sunday when I got here, and I woke up at 8 a.m., and I was like, I guess I'm going to church, you know? But you didn't know which one yet? No. Okay. So I just Googled non-denominational churches near me, (laughs) and it popped up City Life. Okay. And... As I went to the website, I'm like, it looks diverse, you yeah. know, it looks cool. And so I came and you were actually the first one that greeted me. I don't know if you know that. Really? Yeah. You were the first one that talked to me. I don't remember <laughs> that. <laughs> and you're, we were talking. You're like, are you new? Like, I was like, yeah. You're like, oh, you're a college student. I was like, yeah. You're like, meet my roommate, Carrie. <laughs> and you met, you introduced me to Carrie. I remember introducing you. I don't remember yeah. all being in the same, like, situation yeah well, i have was, a terrible memory so no it's fine that's awesome okay and so i'm over here like geeking out okay. <laughs> and so carrie then had low me and our college students it was three people at the time cassie sierra and this guy david i think okay and they invited me to lunch and then after lunch they're mm-hmm. like do you want to do the purple book this bible study with us and i was like and like everything was just like I had this big checklist for churches. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was still super cynical of churches at yeah. this point, still, you know? But it was just checking every single box, mm-hmm. you know, diverse, people are nice, people greeted me. Yeah. <laughs> and then like th- like their people followed up afterwards, you know, because there's a lot of churches I went to and no one ever like Yeah. I just would dip out. <laughs> yeah. But and at that moment I knew this is where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like that literally was the turning point for me in my relationship with God, because yeah. I had people that would actually take the time to listen and hear mm-hmm. my issues and not be like, I'm sorry. Like they were sorry that happened, but just like, this is what happened. It was wrong and addressing it and let me cry. Let me be mad and let me be mad at them. Not at them, but let me get, be angry. Cause I'm a very passionate person yeah. that can scare people all the time, <laughs> you know and especially because when I get when I'm hurt and I'm in, yeah. like and I'm hurt and I'm expressing it can be a little aggressive so but I had people that like genuinely cared about me in that in those moments and let you feel those emotions yeah. yeah and essentially it was me being able to feel God mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and so I that's what you're saying so that semester or that time when you were kind of going through that Bible study that you talked about is when it like things really shifted for you. Yeah. Like just in like how you viewed God, how you wanted to like live your life, would you say? Yeah. Okay. And it just, my eye, like God really then opened my eyes to the gospel at that point, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I can recognize now why I wasn't exposed to the gospel before that, you know, like I, my understanding, like, cause I, I can recognize the times like my aunt told it to me, Leanne, my best friend told it to me, Leanne's mom told it to me. Mm-hmm. Like the, the gospel has been presented, but I just wasn't ready for it yet, mm-hmm. you know? But it was in this time that I was able, that year I was at College Station was a time of like loneliness essentially, but it was this time where I was really trying to figure out who God is and mm-hmm. what he's about. Mm-hmm. And then I had people that, then when I moved here, I had people coming alongside when I was 
the the research and the understanding that I went through in that year mm-hmm. to help me walk through what I was already ex- like exploring with God. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And then met the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Didn't know what that was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't know who he was. Yeah. I was like, what was that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that changed everything. So the behavioral changes that I had been putting in place became heart changes. And I genuinely, like, not having sex wasn't a hard thing anymore. You know, yeah. I was like, I don't want to have sex. Mm-hmm. Genuinely. Yeah. Uh, I don't need to drink or I don't need to smoke. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do all these different things because I'm actually addressing these issues and they're being like, Jesus is healing them. Yeah. You know? And so there's a level of freedom and um, purpose being poured into me through all of that. Yeah. And so when it came to the point of accepting the call in ministry, it's for the pure fact of, I want to help young men and women understand or whoever essentially, Mm -hmm. right. That there is healing and there is freedom from those things that hurt you and break you. Mm-hmm. And then there's identity and purpose that can be given to you through Jesus. Yeah. And so, and that's the ultimate freeing thing because yeah. everything else is just a temporary fix. Yeah. And so. Yeah. I want to hit on that a little bit. How do you feel like, um, because how do you feel like God in your life, like God being in your life now has helped with some of the healing process that you needed to do versus before. Cause I think some people are listening who have had past traumas and, yeah. and you can delve into as much or not delve in yeah. um, as much as you want to. But I think some people listening now who maybe aren't really about this God thing, um, who have past traumas could be really like, like, what do you mean he's healed them? Because like, yeah. I'm, I'm in this stage of her or I'm in this stage of like, not understanding I don't understand like God in this and yeah. you talked a lot about heart change um that like you know that a lot of it came out of the heart change mm-hmm. um does that question make sense to yeah you? Like, no, it definitely does um well how like how how would you talk about that in your experience to someone listening who's like I don't really get this God thing and but I have all this hurt and trauma like what are you talking about when you're talking about healing there yeah um definitely in the fact of for one my mom, my mom's a therapist, mm-hmm. and so my mom strongly believes in therapy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like so. I received therapy a lot as a kid. I I even went through therapy as an adult, um, and that's not to. Um... Okay, y'all. We had a break, and my computer messed up. But keep going with what you were saying. <laughs> no, if you remember, yeah. Um, you said your mom's a believer. My in mom's a therapy. Like my mom's a therapist, and therapy was. I I do believe that there's power in therapy. Yeah. You know, like. In the way God gives us doctors to heal our bodies, he gave us therapists to help us heal our minds. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there is a level of spirituality that comes into our lives. Yeah. You know, that we're not just our physical beings, but we're, we are spiritual beings as well. Mm-hmm. If we're made in the image of God, there's lots of aspects of us that are made in that way. You yeah. know, and I think that is the spiritual side of things. Mm-hmm. And so I did a lot of the physical addressing it physically, you know, like I know, like, I think my biggest things were just ultimately, so I'm adopted. Right. Yeah. And for me, there's this underlying fact of, I was abandoned at birth. Yeah. Like I wasn't good enough to even keep as an innocent baby. How will I ever be good enough to be truly accepted by anybody? Yeah. And, 
And given some of the circumstances of me growing up with my family, like my mom had some of her own problems that she was working through as a kid. Yeah. So love felt very conditional when I was a child. Yeah. So I'm already struggling with the fact that my biological parents didn't want me. Yeah. And then my adopted parents or like my adopted parents, that's kind of conditional love. Yeah. And then, I mean, and there's just a lot of those aspects. And so I really hung on to the fact of like my friends. Yeah. I need my friends to like me. I need people to like me. Yeah. And, but no one's ever, not everyone's always going to like you. you yeah. Know? I've, so, I've learned that the hard way. Like, yeah. like it, yeah, it's just, it's just impossible. Like, yeah. No matter how, yeah. Okay. And, and then on top of that, then I, then I kind of started experiencing, um, and then when I was a child, well, yeah, that's okay. When I was, when I was a kid, I was violated by one of my brother's friends. Yeah. And so that added on additional issues, Yeah, you know? So I didn't know, I didn't truly understand my worth or my boundaries because of that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And there was just a point where therapy isn't addressing that, Yeah, you know? And there's a level of pain that comes with that that is much deeper than I think most people understand. Yeah. And that's a, there's a surface level healing, but there's a place that God wants to operate in that says this happened and I was and even and it, it was a hard it was a weird thing from a concept for me to even understand like God was there when that happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when when all my every time I've, my heart's ever been broken in some way, mm-hmm. God was there when that happened, and He's repairing that, and He wants to repair it. But that's to say, though, there are bad things that happen in this earth, but what we do with those bad things is what ultimately the, I don't know if defines us is the best way to put yeah. it, but we can either have that break us or we can use that as a way to say this happened, but God is still good mm-hmm. and he's still there and he still loves us. And now because of the things that I've been through, I can help other people mm-hmm. through it as well. Mm-hmm. And in a healthy way, yeah. because I have, you can't have the blind leading the blind. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's essentially what, like 10 years of my life was, was just blind. Well, not 10, but you know, <laughs> yeah. just like other hurt people just leading me to towards more things. And I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. So no, that's good. Cause I think, and I, I asked you that question basically, because I think there there's a essence of like, I think you said it very perfectly um, because I'm, I'm a firm believer in therapy and counseling and all those things. Yeah. I've done it. And um, but I think there's there's also a, a, a point where you get in those things where there's just a God-given feeling that is just different. Yeah. And of those situations, like a, a, a comfort, and you can speak more on this, but like a comfort that comes from the Lord in certain situations of hurt in your life that's just like different than what anything can give you of just like, I, like I'm moving forward. That's just a little bit different than if I just done therapy, you know, yeah. like, like just done therapy in the sense of like what it's done to me psychologically, but it's just like, um, this kind of idea of, um, I don't know, like a, a, just this piece of like, okay, but God is constant and he's yeah. in control and like 
he's been there and he was there in the in, in the midst of it, but he's not, he's he's also the one that can heal. And and I also think I've had to learn too that, you know, peop, this is a default a lot of times of sin. So it's like yeah. sinful people are hurt, like hurt people, like you said, like hurt people are hurting people. So it's mm-hmm. like sinful people acting out, <laughs> yeah, you know, on, on, on me and, you know, God gives people free will and free choice. And so they choose to do things that hurt other people, but God can come in and redeem and reconcile. Yeah, things, definitely. If that makes sense. So no, you know, while you're talking, like I kind of got this image in my head, right. Of like therapy is like you walk into a room and you see it's completely trashed. Yeah. You know, and so therapy is you're picking up and cleaning it up and learning, well, why why is this vase on the ground and broken like this? And yeah. fixing that and putting it back up. But when God comes in, it's just like you just clean out the whole room and you're placing it with something even greater and better. Yeah. You know, like you're you can address why these things happen and yeah. how they affect you, but God comes in and says, This all happened and this affected you this way, but you're more and there's more for you than what's still in this room mm-hmm. and gives you a whole new room and a new purpose within that room. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And it's not just like now I'm, I think I'm getting your picture too. It's not just like cleaning up the house, but it's like a whole new house Yeah, with all the extra things, you know, and all the protection and all that kind of stuff. And that doesn't mean that when you start walking with God, bad things don't happen. I think actually the opposite, <laughs> I think actually the opposite, I feel a lot more stressors in my life walking with God than when yeah. I did it. But like, I think it's just, there's a comfort and level of, hope yeah that comes knowing that there's a god that can redeem all of it exactly and even even when things are happening because i think right because like when you become christian it's like that parable of like where you plant plant your house right yeah so you go to therapy you fix the rooms yeah and everything and you put everything back up and then you let god in and he cleans the whole house and then he's solidifying that foundation so stuff's gonna still happen (laughs) but how what was gonna happen before like he he does like the he like fortifies and everything so before when things were happening you just fall over you fall (laughs) over your house flaps you have to rebuild your house and all these things but god is like putting brick down to help you continue to move forward through that stuff yeah. that happens. So you have a safe home that's constant and stable in the midst of everything else still happening and even more. Your house will still be attacked and your, your house will still be hit, but yeah. the repair and the repair process is going to be different. Yeah. But. That's a word, girl. <laughs> <laughs> She's here preaching over here. Yeah. No, that that's good. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, there are some people that, I think listening that are like in just intrigued by that, you know, um, I, I want to shift cause you talked about it a little bit in your story too, but like, you're just, your um, your hurt, I guess, mm-hmm. from like, kind of just like the religious, like church thing. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I want to hone on it just a little bit only because I think there's another group of people listening that I know that are listening, um, who like, how did you, how did you reconcile back kind of with God in the midst of this, this church hurt, I would say, because um, obviously you're part of a church now. Yeah. You believe in the church. Um, um, I mean, you believe in God and God believes in the church. So you believe in the church. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of people who will kind of be in the camp of like, I, the church has hurt me or like religion has hurt me. And so like, therefore I want nothing to do with that. And I like, believe in a greater power, but like, 
how would you help them under like talk about your journey of reconciling like not only to believe in God but I'm coming back to yeah does that make sense yeah it does um well for me personally I was never hurt by the church because mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't raised in the church you know I, no yes you're right, but, you're right, you're right. um but I can there's always this image as a child that I saw that church just wants your money yeah <laughs> you know what I mean and so I remember going, and I remember going to churches where that was kind of perpetuated. Though, yeah. You know, and I remember when I was in College Station, I went to a church, and they're like, we need $3 million for to cover off the debt for this. I'm like, $3 million? Uh-huh. Like, that was wild to me. Like, yeah. And it took me a while, even once I got to City Life, to understand, like, the to tithe. Like, it took me a very long time to actually tithe, because I'm like, I don't trust where that money's going. I'll just give that money to homeless people. I know the source that it's going oh to. I God. mean, yeah, you might go buy some. I, I'm not going to assume, but, it's, but it, I'd rather give it to anything else but the church. Yeah. You know? And City Life helped me with that, to be able to see, like, firsthand where the money goes to. And, yeah. Like, and that, that that is a good thing, but ultimately, it's not my money. Yeah. You know, so I was like, and that was, I think that was the biggest thing for me to learn that this isn't my money to even, and if God wants me to get back to church, then I will. But when I, when I speak on church hurt, I just say it in the fact of when I do my work on campus, Yeah. especially at TSU, you have a lot of people raised in the church, you know, and like every, like we'll go do the God test, which is a survey that asks, kind of gauges people's views and, and their faith and their beliefs yeah if they believe in god what they if they don't believe in god and then what do you believe in then yeah you know and so through that at tsu especially at texas southern um which where is, she went to undergrad by the way yeah that's where i graduated that. that's my alma mater alma mater <laughs> i'm still learning <laughs> that's my alma mater um and but that's also my campus that i work on and um i remember doing the god like the first time i did a god test on the campus mm-hmm. it was with carrie we asked this girl, well, do you know the gospel? Mm-hmm. And prior to us asking that, she told us that she went to church, like she's gone to church her entire life. Mm-hmm. Her mom, her dad, grandma, grandpa, everybody was a freaking pastor. <laughs> I'm like, geez, <laughs> you are anointed. <laughs> right. And then we asked her, what's the gospel? And she said, it's like music, right? And it blew my mind. I was like, what do you mean you don't know the gospel if you've grown up in church your whole life? But then we went into further and like, she just doesn't even go to church at all. And you know, and there's this aspect where you talk to people, they just hate church. And I can get it. I can get some aspect of that because I think there comes a point where I think the definition of what church is, is, is is wrong. It's skewed at this point. You know, like I go to church to get a good feeling and to have a good worship service. And it's kind of like a break in your week type thing. Yeah. I'm going to feel good today. Amen. Hallelujah. And go on. Hey. And that's not what it's supposed to be in my my opinion. Um, and I think even the Bible says more about it. It's supposed to be community. Yeah. And fellowship. And where we come together to worship God communally. Yeah. And or corporately, I guess, is yeah. kind of like the modern term. Yeah. I say but that's corporate worship, but it's not supposed to be for youth only, Yeah, you know? And once I started seeing that it became just a joy to be at church because I'm around family, essentially, yeah. even if I don't really know you. And so when I go to churches that are just one race, given there's some circumstances where that makes sense, so you go to 
If you go to yeah, Mexico, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be every, yes. everyone there is gonna look the same. But like somewhere like a metropolitan like Houston, to go into a church and it's all black or it's all white or it's all Hispanic, I just feel like we're missing out on the whole vision of what God wants. Mm-hmm. If we're supposed to be an example of what heaven is and what God wants for our mm-hmm. for our earth, for mm-hmm. earth in this time, then it, it, it isn't just by racial division. It's by coming together through different socioeconomic classes, different ages, different race, races, and even ethnicities and, mm-hmm. and nationalities even, and being able to, or political backgrounds, and being able to come together still just for the sole purpose of Jesus, not, yeah. well, because all these people agree with me and don't challenge my other views. It's yeah. like, no, I want to challenge your views, especially because... Yeah, where's Jesus in the midst of them? Yeah, no, I, and I like how you said how church is 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 really is about fellowship and community and and getting worshiping together as a community and getting in the word to get like yeah, getting in the word together as a community and I and you and that's not to say for those of you who's listening who like who are like well I haven't found that or like the church I go to is or the churches I've ventured into are X Y and Z and. Yeah. I mean, there, I'll say two things. There are some people like, like the church is legitimately real. Like there's some bad things that happen. And then there's, there's some things where there's like, you need to give grace that church is run by people and people are broken and we're sinful. And so we make mistakes and mess up. Um, And I think that's something I've had to grasp, you know, because, because I did come from a more cynical background, like, well, this church isn't doing it right. And I think, and I think, but I think you, you, you kind of, I kind of drifted off a bit (laughs) from the point, but, and you brought it back in the sense, like it is still run by humans. Yeah. You know? So there's a lot of people talk to like that are hurt by the church and those feelings and those experiences aren't less valid, Yeah, but there needs to be a recognition of the fact that you are hurt because it was the person, the human that hurt you, not God. Yes. You know? Yeah. And so when the pastor messed up because he cheated on his wife or the youth leader messed up because they whatever, (laughs) or, you know, like there's different things and those hurt because you do. And I've had to learn this even now as I, as I work with amazing people, not to idolize them though. Yeah. Like, I think it was a very humbling thing for me to be able to like hear an associate pastor like slip a curse word or yeah. see someone drink and because it's like you're still human we're not called to be perfect mm-hmm. only god is perfect and that we're called to holiness <laughs> called to, yeah yeah and it's like but that's a process but mm-hmm. when they mess up it doesn't affect how i view god yeah. it just shows they need god just as much as i do they yeah. need they need Jesus to save them as much as I do. And so yeah. recognizing that when I see now a pastor that goes big and they mess, like that's huge and yeah. influential well, yeah. and they, mess, and up, they yeah. mess up, my heart goes out to them now. Cause it's like, you need Jesus. Yeah. And you, you know, and you need to recognize that other people do. I think the big thing you said, and for those of you listening, I think, again, we put too much weight on like, like we, we, we make it look like God and humans are like have this equality and they're not. And I think one of the big things I've had to learn, like you said, is human actions and like who God is are two very different things. And like what humans do 
we let that affect the way God views us. I mean, the the way we view God. Yeah. And we've got to learn to disassociate that because if you start to read God or read the Bible for who God is, like that, that is your, that should be your only like gauge point for who God is, mm-hmm. not human behavior, mm-hmm. not how, yeah, humans act or how some Christians act or don't act. Yes, as Christians, like, we are held to a standard, but, like, no human behavior should dictate who God is. And you see throughout even the Bible, leaders appointed by God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, messed up. Royally. In big ways. But does that change who God is? No. No. Because God still, and God recognized how faulted his leaders are he can that he can as Jesus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he recognized we're really jacked up. And mm-hmm. that's why we and so just because God puts a calling, and I mean, and and that does put pressure like even on me in a way, like, what if I mess up? Yeah. You know, because but I try really I lately I've been trying to iterate more. It's like your faith needs to be rested in God, mm-hmm. not me. Yeah. Jasmine, because I'm jacked up. <laughs> I'll be the first and foremost to say I am not even close to being perfect. I'm yeah. still very much so learning, but I love God yeah. and my rest and my my identity and my faith rests in that. Yeah. And I want other people's, I never want people to n- love God because of how I love God. <laughs> yeah. You know, or how I live my life. Yeah. It, that would be the most terrifying thing to me at that point. Because mm-hmm. essentially you're now worshiping that person and that's not, Yeah. and you see that all the time. Like when you worship when you have an idol, yeah. it just gets knocked down. Yeah, I think the Bible is your best bet, people. And mm-hmm. you can have people come alongside you and walk you through the Bible. And and, and again, don't go to the extreme and be like, okay, nobody, like, I can never, like, listen to anybody or, like, trust yeah. anything anyone says. But I think just always aligning what you are being told and what with the Word of God. Yes. And, and believing that God can speak to you and, like, trust that, like, He will He will align those things. Like you align the truth of what your friend is t- telling you who loves Jesus to the truth of the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you Ma- even see Jesus doesn't walk alone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we're, we're not supposed to like, I find, and this isn't to be mocking because I know this is a very real reality for people. Like, yeah. I don't go to church. Me and God are good. It's a spiritual thing. Yeah. And I'm like, there's validity in that, that you should have a relationship with God on your own, but there's the aspect you can, there, you there's depths with your relationship with God that are being cut off and limited when you cut off yourself from other believers. Mm-hmm. You know, I genuinely, like I would not be where I'm at if I didn't have people walking, walking by my side and seeing like, and I think, I don't know if you're going to ask this later, but one of the questions <laughs> was yeah. like, you asked me and I almost cried about like answering as like, what, when do you feel most comfortable and most alive? Most alive. Yes. And I was thinking, I mean, a cliche, not cliche, but a really generic answer would be, well, when I'm spending time with God. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Yes, that's but, a definite. <laughs> but ultimately, like, I really was thinking about, it, I was like, it's with Cassie and Sierra because Cassie and Sierra have seen literally my inner demons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they have seen really bad sides of me and have still chosen to love me and be by my side and forgive me when I've said hurtful things. So now I can just, those two, I know I can sit there and just be who I am fully Mm -hmm. without shame. Mm -hmm. And that 
is like a physical representation of God. Mm-hmm. Like God sits here and looks at us and loves us and accepts us exactly where we are with who, like with where we're at. And that was, but sometimes it's hard to grasp that. Yeah. When you don't have a physical earthly representation of yeah. that. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that's real. So when like you're, you have bad relationship with your parents, it's hard to understand God is a loving father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you can't yeah. when, when your representation of a father or a parent figure mm-hmm. is abusive or just isn't even present mm-hmm. then God's going to, God can essentially be represented as abusive or yeah. punishing or yeah. conditional or just not there at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think we're both getting to this balance of like, you know, find out who God is from his word and, and mm-hmm. what he says and don't, don't give him the same like don't define him the way humans have you humans have hurt you like don't give him that definition but at the same time as christians and believers we are doing our best to be walking examples here on earth of who god is and so that in community if you're like jasmine and you've never like and you're you're looking for your help you're trying to understand what like true unconditional love and forgiveness looks like you see that in believers and so like learning that balance yeah and there's definitely a balance yeah because you can quickly and i did this idolize my friendship. Yeah. I need you. Yeah. Because I, I need that affirmation. Mm -hmm. And so learning that balance of no, you, you are good and you helped me, but ultimately the answer is in God and his word. Yeah. So man, y'all, me and Jasmine can clearly talk all day. Like we totally (laughs) forgot we're recording. So we are nearing the end of the podcast. I'm going to ask you two questions. Okay. Okay. The first question is if you could, um, and I do this with every podcast. So if you could go to lunch with anyone dead or alive, Mm -hmm. who would it be and why? I'll choose a live, and I would do Kanye. Kanye, okay, why? Kanye, because <laughs> I think it would be really cool. I feel like Kanye's one had an injustice of people just exposing all the, like, just reminding everybody of his dirt and all the crazy stuff he uh-huh. said, but to have a genuine conversation with him and see where his heart is, uh-huh. I think it'd be cool. And I don't think the man's completely psycho or stupid. <laughs> I think he actually is a, he could be a very smart man. Yeah. So I think it'd just be cool to be able to sit down, pick his brain, and just see, like, where is your heart? Like, yeah. what is your heart? Like, maybe a little curious about is your relationship with God, like, real? <laughs> but not shame him for where yeah. he's been, but see, like, what has your experience in life been? Because I know it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and absolutely. I know it's wild. So, definitely Kanye. Absolutely. I'm going to tag Kanye in this episode on Instagram. And then if he just happens to listen <laughs> to it, Kanye, she wants to have lunch with you, Jasmine. That does. You and Kim. Yes, you okay. and Kim. Okay, the second one, you have like five minutes to answer it. So okay. the second question, you have to pick one person. Uno mas. If you can encourage anyone, you have to pick one. I know. Okay, if you can encourage anyone, um, I want you to say their name, encourage them as if they're sitting in front of you right now. I'm really big on encouragement, and so your story has encouraged a lot of people, I'm sure. But who would that person be? And just go ahead and encourage them. This is stressful. <laughs> and she literally has five minutes on my countdown, so she has to. Okay, I would choose Cassie. Okay, Cassie. Okay, so pretend Cassie's in front of you and encourage her. Okay, Cassie was like as I'm as yeah I'm yeah. Cassie. Okay, Cassie, you were the first person that I met in Houston, became friends with, and you have stuck through everything, and you've seen my good and my bad side, and 
if it wasn't for your persistence and your good ear and your time and patience, I really want to be here. And I know without a doubt that God put you in my life. And so I just encourage you to continue to love on people and push yourself forward and trust God and continue pouring into more women because you do make a you do make a difference and your obedience is fruitful. Oh, Cassie, I can't <laughs> wait for you to hear this. Um, okay, guys, thank you so much for listening. I will tag Jasmine. This will be posted on Instagram, so I will tag Jasmine in this. So if you want to read, Jasmine literally loves to talk to anybody yeah. and everyone. So <laughs> you can DM her if you have any questions for her, or you can DM me. Um, but thank you guys for listening, and thank you, Jasmine. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye.